WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. The Steelers visit Tampa Bay tonight with a bad defense, a backup running back, two offensive linemen hurt, and their entire season on the line. They were favored by 2.5 points, 2.5, when the line first came out. Now the Steelers are a one-point underdog. And believe it or not, I nonetheless feel like the Steelers are going to win. They suck. But they don't suck enough to start the season 0-2-1. Unless they do. This is the Mark Madden Show. I am what's causing all this. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Or you can follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. Yo, that's how I feel. The Steelers are going to win. No matter how bad the Steelers suck, they just don't suck that bad. And even though Tampa's 2-0, Tampa can't run the ball. They are one-dimensional from the get-go. And that means the Steelers can simplify their defense from the get-go. And even though Gilbert and DeCastro are out, that puts B.J. Finney at right guard and Matt Filer at right tackle. Filer is a very good run blocker. So maybe the Steelers go old school with James Conner on the ground. Control the ball, control the clock, and keep that crappy defense off the field. Or maybe Fitzmagic throws for 900 yards, because that could happen too. ESPN is reporting that the Steelers are listing to trade offers for Le'Veon Bell. I will discuss that in depth later, but that trade would be very, very hard to do. For starters, only nine teams have the cap room to make that deal. For another, Bell would still have to sign his tag. For another, he looks fat. For another, he'd be just a rental. For another, Bell may just want to sit the whole year. Like I said, complicated. So at any rate, just fielding the offers indicates the Steelers have moved on from Le'Veon Bell. After having miscalculated badly. Shocking news here. Cody Sensabaugh may start ahead of Artie Burns tonight. That's not injury related. Artie Burns just sucks. Thing is, Cody Sensabaugh sucks too, but he's been the one taking the first team reps. Yikes. We got Stiller's talk all day long, but uh, I want to mention that the Pirates wrapped up the home portion of their schedule with a 13-6 loss to Milwaukee. It was Fan Appreciation Day. 20K showed up. Or at least that's how many tickets were sold. Hey, I wonder if those on hand appreciated a Feliz throwing a wild pitch with the bases loaded. It was so wild that all three runs scored. Check out the video on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com as well as a few words of wisdom 
about the Pirates. It was a Benny Hill-level moment and a reminder that despite overachieving just a bit this year, the Pirates are still the Pirates. Uh, Attendance at PNC Park has dropped over a million since the 98 wins in 2015, and it dropped over 400K from last year. The Pirates drew 1.465 mil this year, and that's the lowest attendance in the history of PNC Park. Like I've told you, countless times, when they blew up that 98-win team in the interest of cutting payroll, when they did that, the Pirates lost the fans' trust. And that trust will not easily be regained, if ever, with some things. The Pirates got a decent nucleus. They need to spend some time, this, some money this offseason. Money can buy trust. Get a couple legitimate Major League free agents or augment payroll with a good trade. Money can buy trust, but ain't none of that going to happen. In fact, I bet they cut payroll. That Chris Archer trade, that was a bone they threw you. The Kella trade was another bone they threw you. And you're going to have to chew on those bones for a long, long time, my little doggies, because there ain't none forthcoming in the foreseeable future. I got a laugh out of this. Uh, Jay Hay and Mercer probably played their last games as Pirates yesterday. Hurdle took them off the field in the middle of the Milwaukee half of the eighth so they could get cheered. Never before has such a convoluted salute been orchestrated for two more mediocre talents. It's not like they yanked Clemente and Kiner out of the outfield to get a standing O. They yanked out the banjo-hitting shortstop and the super utility guy who had one good year ever. Uh, Tiger Woods won some tournament, not a major, good for him. Yay! Yay, Tiger! Yay! It's just terrific when a guy can come all the way back from serial adultery, whoremongering, and addiction issues to once again be a national hero. It's amazing what some people get forgiven for and what some people don't. Anyway, Tiger's a hero again, but not for black folk because, don't forget, Tiger denies you. He's Calibanasian. That's his word, Calibanasian. That's what Tiger says he is. He denies the black race. Actually, he's more Nike than anything. That's probably what it says on his passport. Citizenship, Nike. And uh, no matter what's happened or what you say, one thing Tiger never was is an underdog. So Tiger won for whatever that's worth. I don't like Tiger, and I don't have to. It's like you commit blasphemy if you're not a Tiger fan. You, you, you don't like Tiger? How dare you? You're going to burn in hell. I think Tiger's a phony, a poser, and just a generally bad person. And no matter how much good Tiger does for golf, it's still only golf. It's just one step above pickleball. I bet you never thought that later on, I have a monologue on the quote-unquote sport of pickleball. Do you know what that is? Listen and find out. It does not involve pickles. 
Uh, Pitt football lost to North Carolina. North Carolina is arguably the worst football program in the ACC. Three and nine last year. Picked to finish uh, last or second last everywhere you look in the ACC Coastal Division. And Narduzzi is 0-4 against them. It's the same old crap with Pitt under Narduzzi. Pitt almost always plays worse in the second half, and especially in the fourth quarter. So they're not in shape. They make no visible adjustments at halftime, and they can't play defense. Narduzzi is all hat and no cattle. All rah-rah and very little coaching. He's a blowhard. Pitt should have fired Narduzzi already. He's a bum. Instead, Pitt extended Narduzzi through 2024. We have an exciting show planned today. I would say that even if it weren't true, but today it is true. Because we got all sorts of Steeler talk. Steelers at the tampons tonight. And if the Steelers lose... I, I talked with Dale Lolly. We did the Channel 11 show last night, The Final World. Dale joins me today at 4.30, live from Tampa. And he said that even if they lose tonight, it's only three games, and they could still win that division. I just don't see it. They're just such a mess. Do you really think they're going to suddenly snap two and play like their talent dictates they should? After they start 0-2-1, with the locker room becoming more of a mess all the time? Then again, Le'Veon Bell for that locker room, now that we pretty much know he's not coming, although the reports still say he's coming in for the bare minimum. Do they really want that? It, again, it's a mess now. If they lose tonight, it's a bigger mess. If they win tonight, I will give Dale this. That division ain't great. But... Um, I see tonight as pretty close to must win. So we'll ask Dale about that at 4.30. We got Matt Williamson, our football guru, uh, at 3.30. Here's what Narduzzi, got to get back to him because I don't like him. I think he sucks as a coach. And Pitt needed to get rid of him, not extend him through 2024. Narduzzi at the press conference. Uh, said, and he said it to his team after the game, quote, one less mistake and we win the football game. That's all it takes is one. Dude, you played a team that went three and nine last year. It shouldn't come down to just one mistake. You played a team picked to finish last in your division. It shouldn't come down to just one mistake. Unless, of course, that mistake was hiring you. And then, yes, indeed, that has turned out to be fatal. 1059 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, double S, big fan, man. Thanks. If you were a hot dog and you were starving, would you eat yourself? I would. I'd be delicious. Ditto. The X at 1059. The New York Daily News is reporting that the Jets have reached out to the Steelers about potentially trading for Le'Veon Bell. There are uh, eight teams. I've read two different cons, either eight or nine that could afford Bell under the salary cap, and the New York Jets are one of those. So, once again, the New York Daily News reporting moments ago that they are interested in talking to the Steelers about a deal for Le'Veon Bell. Other NFL personnel news, Adam Schefter reporting that 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo is out for the season. He tore his ACL, and his season is over. 
Uh, here's a quote from Phil Sims on Inside the NFL. There's a difference between drama and friction. Drama is when you're distracted, and that's what's happening in Pittsburgh, unquote. More and more national types are coming down on the Steelers coaching, specifically Tomlin, for all the drama and distraction and hullabaloo. And every local football writer I talk to stands his ground. It's not on Tomlin. It doesn't mean anything. It's not why they're playing bad. I don't know, at the very least, it's a reason they're playing bad. Perhaps not the reason. I think that distinction belongs to the defensive platoon. But it, it, it's got to hurt to some degree. Uh, speaking of Le'Veon Bell, th- this is tremendous. Here is the next logical progression for situations like Bell blowing off a season and A.B. blowing off meetings. Earl Thomas sat out two practices this week in Seattle. The safety just refused to practice. He's in the last year of a valid contract, but he skipped practice because he's, quote, protecting his body, unquote. Uh, Thomas said he's, quote, investing in myself because they haven't invested in me, unquote. So Earl Thomas has a valid NFL contract. That he signed, and he just skipped two practices, la-di-da, and he played in the game anyway. He might get fined, but he gets his game check. And whatever fine he absorbs will be a minute fraction of his game check. NFL owners have screwed the players for years. The franchise tag screws the players. Lack of guaranteed contracts screws the players. So when the players fight back, I get it. I do. But this is a guy under contract with that legal obligation and commitment just skipping practice. Nope. I'm not going to practice today. That's ridiculous. And the Seahawks still play Thomas in the game. So why wouldn't he skip practice? Why wouldn't every Seahawk skip practice? Why would any player in the league ever practice again. In a similar vein, Heinz Ward said he's embarrassed by Antonio Brown's behavior. It took A.B. to make me like Heinz Ward. Sweet, sassy, molassy. Uh, This is all over Twitter. I'm going to post a video tomorrow. But the Philadelphia Flyers have a new mascot. He's called Gritty. Not Skillsy or Skatesy or Winnie or Cuppy, but Gritty. He's big and fat, kind of Muppet looking, with two bug eyes poking out a red hair and a red beard. Looks a bit like Scott Hartnell. He's called Gritty, which rhymes with not pretty, as well as Something else that rhymes with gritty, as in your team for a long time has been something that rhymes with gritty. If you wanted something new to make fun of regarding the orange and black attack, you got it. 412-333-9933. Wait, that's wrong. What's the number? 333-WXDX. How can I freeze on the number? 
Well, just don't bother calling right now anyway, because we got Matt Williamson. Oh, 99-39. You know, we've taken progressively less calls throughout the history of the show. I think me forgetting the number to call in confirms that. Either that or CTE, Alzheimer's, dementia. Something that I think could only improve the caliber of the show. Up next, it's our football guru, Matt Williamson. If we're just tuning in, the Jets have reached out to the Steelers about potentially trading for Le'Veon Bell. I'll describe how difficult any trade for Bell would be to consummate at the top of the hour. But up next, it's Matt Williamson, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. You don't have an option. You think it's the you show? It's the me show. Hey, what's up, Mark? Come on. The lights, the robe, the hair, the woo! The X at 105.9. Joining me now. To talk about the Monday Night War being waged in Tampa tonight between the Steelers and Buccaneers, it's our football guru, Matt Williamson. Uh, Matt, first off, is there any realistic chance the Steelers trade Lev Bell? It seems like there would be a lot of difficulties and roadblocks, although you hear now the Jets might be interested. Yeah, I mean, when when I've heard the news, and I've thought about this for a while, I came up with about four or five teams that I think would be interested. But the problem is, if I'm those teams, it's not like a Khalil Mack situation where you trade for him, lock him up to a long-term deal, and then he's your guy. You're not allowed to negotiate with him until after the year. I mean, you could tag him after the year. I imagine you could have a backroom handshake deal with his agent and sign him the minute you're allowed. But... Therefore, you can't give up great compensation for him. Therefore, is he worth trading if you're the Steelers? Uh, Exactly right. I don't see where the deal makes sense for either side. You're going to get a third-round pick when Bell walks via free agency, and I doubt that any return in a deal uh, would top that, Matt. Plus, which the fact that so few teams can take him due to cap issues kind of narrows the compensation down too, doesn't it? Right. I mean, the, the teams that make the most sense to me are, like you said, the Jets, the Bills. The Jets were involved in Khalil Mack. They apparently came in second there. Those two teams have tons of cap space. The Colts do as well. Um, you know, and if you're just drafted a Darnold or an Allen, a guy like Bell would make a lot of sense for that young quarterback to lean on and grow with. So I could see those situations. And you mentioned you are going to get a third-round pick for him as well, and, you know, but not necessarily. If you, and that'll be two years from now for one thing, so it's a year without. And if you happen to be active in free agency the, the same year that you lose them, you might not get that exact compensation. Matt, I don't think the Steelers ever imagined Bell wouldn't be there for week one. That has seemed to rattle the organization from top to bottom. I agree that they probably didn't see this coming, that they thought it would be a lot like last year. Maybe he'd start slow, get Connor involved early, eventually hand the reins over to him. And honestly, I thought that too. And I thought that would be the smart move for Bell. And I think he's getting bad advice. I don't quite understand his stand on this. You know, every week goes by, you lose close to a million dollars. You know, you're trying to make money in this deal and you're leaving some on the table. And I do think it's thrown him for a little bit of a loop. Let's get to tonight's game against Tampa. Tampa's 2-0, but nobody thought the Buccaneers were going to be any good. Is Tampa legit in your eyes? Sort of. They are 2-0. They have Chiefs-like weapons, and I mean that as some of the most dangerous weapons in the league, but they can't run the ball. 
Their defense was the worst pass defense in the league last year and pretty much looks like that yet again. Their run defense isn't all that much better. And they're doing it on on Fitzpatrick, which he's an extremely streaky guy. I never thought that he would do it two weeks in a row, but the first week they played the Saints defense that looks much worse this year against a lot of man coverage, and their their guys lost in man coverage. Well, the Bucks guys won in man coverage. So the next week they played the Eagles, and I think the Eagles looked at it and said, boy, if Fitzpatrick can beat us, so be it. So they gave him a lot of easy throws, and their secondary didn't tackle well, and it turned into big plays. And, you know, he's playing extremely well, and this will probably be the, this is the second week in a row that the Steelers are playing a ridiculously hot quarterback. But the body of work for this guy isn't like Mahomes. I mean, we know who he is. He very well could throw five picks tonight. That's the kind of player he is. Well, but that's the weird part, Matt. History shows Fitzgerald will hit a wall, like you right. said, but there's no guarantee it's going to be tonight. Exactly. I, I don't, you know, he, he is going to turn into a pumpkin. There's no doubt in my mind. But boy, he has never played better than this two game stretch. Uh, Hayden says the Steelers are going to simplify their defense. And you can do that against Tampa, catch you, because they have no running game. If the Steelers' D is going to have a decent night against any team, it might be Tampa, and for that reason. Yes, I think that's the smart move. And, and to take it a step further, a week ago, knowing what we knew about Mahomes, after only one week, he played a very simple defense against the Chargers in week one. I was calling for the Steelers, throw everything at him, see if he can handle it. And they basically did. You know, They threw quite a bit at him, and he passed that test with flying colors. And as a result, they blew too many coverages because, you know, they were throwing a lot at them and the guys screwed up mentally. So now I think you go back to keep it simple. We can't afford to blow coverages, especially with the Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans out there, and make them work for every yard you get. And I want to see sustained drives by the Bucks. I want to see the Steelers tackling the ball in front of them. Don't allow the big plays. Certainly don't make it nearly as easy as they did against the Chiefs. And by that, I mean doubling Kareem Hunt and leaving Kelsey open or getting T.J. Watt alone with Sammy Watkins or the first play of the game when it looked like Burns got beat, but it was a blown coverage. Can't win that way. Have the Steelers overcomplicated things on defense, Matt? Uh, You certainly heard that after the Kansas City game when it looked like they were having trouble getting guys on and off the field. Yeah, and as well as when they were on the field not knowing where to be, which is even more concerning. And... I don't know. This is just a total hunch by me, and I know he doesn't play a position like linebacker or safety, but I've noticed every game that Hayden has missed over his Steelers' career, they blow a lot of coverages. I don't think that's a surprise. He seems to be the glue. I think in addition yeah. to being their best cornerback, even you know past his peak, I think he just tells those kids what to do, and they listen. Right, right. I mean, I think that's the value of him. He is the glue. He's the veteran in a very young defense, a very young secondary and it's big that he's back, especially, you know, not only on the field, like you said, I think he is their best corner, but just so they all know where to be. Now, how will the Steelers handle Evans and Jackson, the Tampa receivers? Because that's a pretty good pair, and they got some tight ends they can slip in there too, don't they? Yeah, and the, the Godwin kid from Penn State's a real up-and-comer as well. Um, O.J. Howard has really taken over for Brait as the number one tight end, but he's not a high-target guy. He's very dangerous. I mean, he's easily a first-round pick-type talent, and he has you know, after-the-catch abilities. Jackson is a remarkable deep threat, 
but that's about it. I mean, he has he's Tyreek Hill light in that way. He's not going to nickel and dime you to death. But if you blow a coverage, he'll crush you in a minute. And Evans is really good. I mean, Evans is a number one wide receiver in this league with size and long speed and decent route running, and he's a handful for anyone. So the weapons are frightening. I mean, by far, that's the strength of this team. Uh, we're talking to Matt Williamson, our football guru, here on 105.9 The X. We got the Steelers at Tampa tonight, Monday night football. Uh, I was surprised here that Cody Sensabaugh may start ahead of Artie Burns at cornerback and that Sensabaugh was, in fact, taking first-team reps. What do you make of that, Matt? Yeah, that is a little odd. And if you noticed, he started subbing in for Sutton yet, you know, last week, too. And I, it makes me think, going back to the original point, that Maybe he isn't the athlete or the upside guy of you know, Sutton, let alone Burns, but he at least knows where to be. And in a game like this, that might be the biggest thing that they harp on. Uh, the Steelers' special teams haven't been good. How do you fix special teams? Because it's not exactly something you practice, certainly not at full tilt. Yeah, and I don't really even know that answer, to be, on, to be very honest with you. I mean, I don't watch special teams tape. I think it is a really hard thing to fix. Um, tackling is obviously an issue. I do think Boswell will be fine. I mean, I'm not worried about him. I am worried about the punter. I mean, I think the punting situation might be a problem all year. I don't think the kicking situation will be. But uh, I'm with you. I mean, there are a couple trends in the league. I mean, the Chargers are always at the bottom of the league in, in special teams. The Ravens, the Rams, and the Patriots are always at the top. But more so than most teams, I do think the Steelers keep on their roster the Hayward Bays, the Matikaviches, the core special teamers. So it's not like they ignore it. And over the Tomlin tenure, I would say they've been above average, not great. So my hunch is they get back to the mean, but it hasn't been great. The Steelers missed 17 tackles against Kansas City. Again, tackling something that they just don't practice. It is, and it's a problem. And What's interesting about last year is I think people realize that Football Outsiders did their study and the Steelers came in last. They were, quote, the worst tackling defense in the league. However, there were only a couple culprits. Like San Diego was second, Chargers were second, and they had a collective group where last year it was Davis as a strong safety, missed a lot of tackles. Hilton as a slot corner, missed a lot of tackles near the line of scrimmage which I think will always be the case with him because he's tiny. And Shazier missed a lot of tackles. But Shazier also got the tackles that Bostick and Williams don't. Um, I don't know. I mean, I look at their team and I do the, the, the 11, 12, 13 defensive players will play the most snaps. I don't see a poor tackling player outside of Davis. And he's a free safety now, and I think he's actually played pretty well, especially the Cleveland game. Well, no one played well in the Kansas City game. But you're right. I mean, Bostick and Williams don't get to the tackles that Shazier did. They do need to tackle better. And I will say that the Chiefs are probably the best after-the-catch team in the NFL, too. Can the Steelers' offense do much more? I'm not sure that would be fair to ask, Matt. And now that it looks like Bell won't be a Steeler this year at all, well, I don't know, maybe he'll report late, but uh, mm-hmm. I, think at some, I think at some point they're going to part company. I just... I just had that feeling, but I'm not sure I can see how it'll happen. But without him, how does that change their thinking and game plan? The key with Bell, that Connor just won't bring to the table, 
is the ability to flex out and one, run wide receiver routes. I also think he's really good in protection. I think his ball security is also great. Not that Connor's ever even going to be the running back that Bell is. He's so unique and he is exceptional. But I don't think teams at all fear Connor as a receiver, nor should they. I mean, he will catch the dump-offs. You know, when the linebackers drop deep in, in their zones, he'll catch it in front of them. And he has improved as a receiver, but it's a dimension that few offenses have that Bell brings as he can line up on a corner and beat him on an out route. I mean, that's rare for a running back. I mean, very few people in history do that with regularity. So that's definitely a problem. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I do well, think and that one... segues, Matt. Yeah. Antonio Brown's stats are ordinary right now for him. Is Bell's absence getting him even more coverage? Mm, maybe. I mean, he is absolutely getting attacked by doubles, especially against Kansas City. But that's not real new for him either. I mean, maybe a little more so. Uh, the, the story that I don't think is brought up enough, because he did put this team on his back against Kansas City, is Ben has missed an awful lot of big plays. And his deep, his intermediate to deep passing so far after two games, has left a lot to be desired. And I think that's one of the roots of Bell, or Brown's frustrations. Because if you watch the coaching tape, there's four or five plays that should have resulted in A-B touchdowns. How weak is the offensive line tonight without Gilbert and DeCastro? I've heard this Filer kid at right tackle is a good run blocker. Uh, what will that do to the Steelers' game plan? Yeah, Filer's a really good seventh lineman. You know, I mean, that's... That sounds like faint praise, but I think you can win games with them. They've shown they can win games with Finney. I think Finney would start somewhere on the interior for half the teams in the league. Filer, to me, would be better off at guard, but can get you out of a game at tackle. They've been using Chooks quite a bit as a sixth offensive lineman. Maybe we see even more of that tonight to help Filer. Um, but I mean, there's no way around it. I mean, Gilbert, to me, is a top-five right tackle. I think the Castro's in the conversation as the best guard in the league and certainly one of the top two. And with him out of the lineup, I think it showed against the Chiefs, it's definitely a different line. If it was a year ago, I wouldn't be worried at all. I mean, the defensive front for Tampa was really bad, and they went out this offseason in an Eagles-like manner and brought in a lot of talent up front. But the Vita Veas and these guys have all been banged up, so we haven't seen the collective talent of a deep seven or eight man defensive line really show show up yet and i don't think we will yet tonight because a lot of these guys are still banged up but gerald mccoy is still there and gerald mccoy is a geno atkins three technique that's going to give both guards a lot of problems uh what's your take on uh tonight's game matt which way is it going to go and is this must win for the steelers would oh two and one be a death sense because i had the steelers winning these first three games i also had them going ten and six that doesn't bode well right now. No, it doesn't. But I do think the Bengals, Patriots, and Jaguars all losing certainly helps their cause big picture when you're comparing them to the rest of the division in the AFC. Um, I wouldn't say it's a must win, but I would say it's pretty darn close. I am going to pick them to win. I just don't trust Fitzpatrick, and I do trust this team on prime, prime time, backs against the wall, every eye in America looking at them. Their history and those type of things are really strong. Yeah, I know what you mean, Matt. I can't come up with a logical reason to pick Pittsburgh tonight based on, you know, personnel, momentum, etc. Right. But I think they're they're too good to start out 0-2-1. They, at any rate, they don't suck enough 
to start out 0-2-1. Absolutely. And there's no doubt which of these teams has played better football up till now. And it really isn't even close. But I also trust this organization a heck of a lot more than I trust a Fitzpatrick-led Buccaneers team. Matt, great stuff as always. Enjoy the game. We'll talk next Monday. All right, Mark. We'll see you. That's Matt Williamson, our football guru. Be sure to check out his website at mattwilliamsonfootball.com. If you're just tuning in, uh, the New York Jets have made inquiries, feelers, if you will, to the Steelers about acquiring Lev Bell. Lev Bell, back in February, said $60 million ain't enough to come run with the Jets. That's not going to make making that deal any easier, is it? 105.9. Oh. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. What up, man? There's always been an unspoken dynamic. I am a lot smarter than you. Okay, so maybe it's a spoken dynamic. The X at 105.9. Jason Pierre-Paul, formerly of the New York Giants, now with Tampa Bay, said, quote, you got to get two hands on Ben to bring him down, unquote. Yes, Jason Pierre-Paul really said that. He's got to be just trolling himself. No quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. I am 2-0 picking Steeler games against the spread this year. But I can't get a feel for this one. The Steelers open as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Now the Steelers are one-point underdogs. The Steelers have injury issues with DeCastro and Gilbert and Burnett. But Tampa Bay is kind of beat up on the defensive line. Can the Steelers control the ball by running and keep their defense off the field? That kid filling in at tackle, Matt Filer. I talked about him with Williamson. He can run block. Maybe the Steelers control the ball on the ground, control the clock by controlling the ball on the ground. Keep that crappy defense off the field. Or maybe they just get in a shootout and somehow Fitzmagic outperforms Big Ben. That was a point well made by Matt Williamson. Despite Ben performing so well against Kansas City, not so well against Cleveland, but in both games he left some big plays on the field. His arm was all over the place against Cleveland. It was better against Kansas City. But he still got another level. Dale Lally pointed out, and he joins us at 4.30. He pointed out last night on Channel 11's The Final Word that Ben's a 500 quarterback in September on his career. And obviously way above 500 in all the other months. Uh, getting back to my pick for tonight, can I just play the over, which is 54 and a half? Of course I can. It's my show. But what if the Steelers do stress running the ball? I'm going to say take the Steelers plus one because I don't believe the Steelers are bad enough to start the year 0-2-1. and uh, The Patriots lost to Detroit last night. I caught part of that game. New England is now 1-2. and two. Maybe this is the year the Patriots hit a wall and just aren't very good anymore. Because that has to happen sooner or later. Wouldn't it be just low down and dirty if the Steelers had a rotten year and the Patriots had a rottener year? 
And the Steelers just couldn't take advantage of the Patriots when they finally did about a father time or boredom from too much winning, whatever. Uh, we already were told the Jets are inquiring to the Steelers about trading for Le'Veon Bell. The Monday Morning Quarterback website has a list of teams that might trade for Bell. The Jets, I think, were fifth on the list. Uh, New England, number one, followed by Indian Washington. Those are the top three. Patriots, Colts, and Washington. But the Steelers just aren't going to trade Bell to the Patriots. New England could offer a first-round pick, and that's just not going to happen, and especially not after what happened with James Harrison going to New England last year. For the Steelers to trade Bell, they would have to get at least a second-round pick because they get a third-round pick in compensation when he leaves via free agency. So you wouldn't trade him for the same or for anything less And why would a team give up more when he's just a rental player who looked fat? Well, I'm going to get to that in a couple minutes, but I I just don't see the upside of trading for him. And it's not an easy deal to do. Mahomes was great again yesterday. Uh, The Chiefs are 3-0. Mahomes now has 13 touchdown passes and is averaging 10.58 yards per attempt. Not... 10.58 yards per completion. That's 10.58 yards per passing attempt. It's only three games, but so far, that kid is just amazing. Uh, Clay Matthews of the Green Bay Packers keeps sacking the quarterback, and he keeps getting flagged for falling on the quarterback with all of his body weight. That's now a penalty. It's absurd. I see these sacks by Matthews, and they're all just good tackles. It's the way you used to be supposed to tackle. I understand and wanted to protect the quarterback, but you're never going to make football safe enough. But the NFL just won't understand that. This is the Mark Madden Show. In just 30 seconds, we're going to talk more about the Ballad of Le'Veon Bell. It just never goes away because he won't ever go away. 1059 DX.